the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the only name under heaven, by which we may be saved. Luke 2, 21. Now, at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angels, before he was conceived in the womb. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about how this day, as it happens to fall this year, has been celebrated in the history of the church. Get ready for history lessons, because this is a this is the perfect coming together of a lot of my surgical nerdiness. Alright? And I have a captive audience here. But today is a day that you see. Um, it is historically the eighth day of Christmas. Eighth day of Christmas. And the church celebrates certain liturgical days, namely the major days like Easter, Christmas, Epiphany, Ascension of the Lord, Pentecost with what's called an octave. So an octave is an eight-day inclusive period of time. Eight is going to be important, so keep that eight in mind. And uh, those days are celebrated as one of the critical days. So Christmas is over, today's still Christmas, right? And we're celebrating the octave of Christmas. However, um, usually in the Anglican tradition, this will be the first Sunday after Christmas, and I kind of remember last week that we normally get John 1, 1 through 14 on this day, which is, which is different for us than a lot of the church, particularly the Indian tradition, and we reflect on the incarnation on this day, which is something I particularly love. Now, interestingly, in the Orthodox Church on this day, um, they reflect on three people King David. Jesus is the king who comes from the line of David, and King David prophesies about him in the Psalms. St. Joseph, who is the Lord's earthly father, and uh, the guardian of Christ on earth, and St. James, son of Joseph, brother of the Lord, who wrote the book of James and was the first bishop of Jerusalem. So they focus on Jesus' lineage and his family. And in the Roman Church since 1969, uh, the Sunday after Christmas is uh, meditated on the feast of the Holy Family. So the very our reading today, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, right? That's the Holy Family. So typically, the Sunday after Christmas, the Roman Church reflects on that. But we're just getting started here. Because what happened this year is the first Sunday after Christmas happens to also be January 1st. Alright, ready? Get ready. So, January 1st, traditionally in the Anglican Church, is called the Feast of the Circumcision. So, here in our reading today, that great day Jesus was circumcised. Well, you know, in the 1970s, the Episcopal Church decided that it wasn't fun to talk about circumcising people. And so they dropped. The feast of the circumcision entirely from the calendar. So they dropped it from the calendar in the 1979 period. Uh, they followed, however, the Roman Church who dropped the circumcision in 1969. Now, thankfully, the Orthodox Church, if they ever changed anybody, guess what? 
so that we might receive adoption as sons. And Jesus said in Matthew 5.17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The reason the circumcision is important, and it is the very first step, in fact, the obedience of Joseph and Mary to the law of God, it is the first step of Jesus' earthly life where he perfectly fulfills the requirements of the Old Covenant. And because Jesus Christ perfected the law, then he can replace the law on our behalf and to the New Covenant. So Jesus is sinless not just because he's good, he is sinless because we sinned. He did it on our behalf. Alright, so that's why we care about the circumcision. Also, as the circumcision, the fathers note that the circumcision of Jesus is the first time when Jesus' blood is shed on our behalf. Now, if you have an adult age, you put it aside, you can think about it as a sentiment of the crucifixion as well. So, Jesus' blood is shed, and we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, every week when I say the canon of the Mass and the Church's Prayer, we ask for the forgiveness of sins for us and for the entire Church through faith in His blood. That's an important principle. Because in the Old Testament, it is through the shedding of blood, the sacrifice of bulls and goats and other animals as a testament that blood includes us from sin. Of course, if you know the book of Hebrews, what's the problem with the blood of bulls and goats? Here we have. It can't be a substitute for us, but Jesus Christ can. Hebrews says it this way. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The circumcision is the first step of a life in which Jesus Christ perfectly submits himself to the law and sheds his blood on our behalf and for our salvation. The Father says you take care of that. I agree. The third thing is that Jesus being circumcised is another testament that he is in fact truly human. He is God in the flesh. He is one of us. And he fulfills the law not just in theory, but in his very flesh. In John 1, it says this way, In the word became flesh and blood among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then he says this in verse 17, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled the law so that we might have grace. So that's the circumcision. It is important, even though uh, sometimes people have chosen to dismiss it. We'll talk about it. The second thing is the holy name. And we open the Mass today with the liberty of the holy name of Jesus. Right? And um, it says, of course, at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angels. This is a divinely revealed name. I talked about uh, previously, and Advent and Christmas, 
that the name Jesus literally means Yahweh's sake, the Lord's sake. His name is the testament. Did you hear it? Christians love the name of Jesus. And I find this interesting because they love the name of Jesus no matter what language they speak, right? Other than their language, they love it. And no matter where you go in the Christian world, you find hymns and songs about the name, about the name of Jesus. You find art in the name of Jesus. You uh, find Christ-o-grams. So we have IHS on stuff at the altar all the time. This is Christ-o-grams. Alright? So, I think humanity saves Jesus Savior of humanity, right? IHS, you see that. That is the Christ of Christ. Jesus' name. So often you see IHS on things throughout the church. It's the Holy Name. You also have the Tyra, the P with the X, that's an abbreviation for Christ. Jesus' name. You place it on everything. And um, you should write it on everything you have. It's the name of the cross, the Son of God, the Christian, right? And so we love the name of Jesus. And um, Again, we talk about this when we have the reading from Matthew when it says, She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And Peter is preaching in Acts chapter 4. And he says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We love the holy name of Jesus because it is our salvation. Christ saves us. And we love his name. The second thing, of course, is that we pray in Jesus' name. Again and again all the time, if you're Christian, you pray in Jesus' name. Why do we do that? Because Jesus instructed us to do that. He says in John 14, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. The holy name of Jesus gives us the hope that when we ask God in his name, that he will answer us because of Jesus. Right? And when we say these Christian prayers, what we say? Although we are unworthy, Right? We ask God to answer our prayer because of Jesus. It's in His name. And then finally, Jesus is the name which all people in heaven and on earth and under the earth at the culmination of time will worship. Jesus is the name. Regardless of what people want to claim on earth, whether they reject Him, deny Him, whether they embrace false gods and idols, and the culmination of time is the name of Jesus. Paul says it this way. Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every name should bow, in heaven, in honor, and under the earth, to the glory of God's Father. Jesus' holy name is central to our faith and our lives. Lastly, I'm going to talk about something weird. I'm going to come back to this idea of the eighth day. So we remember eight. We have an octave, we have eight days, maybe the eighth day of Christmas. In Luke 2.21, it says, I hear the eight days. The concept of the eighth day, I've talked about it before, is very important in early Christianity. I want you to understand it. 
circumcised on the eighth day, eighth day in fulfillment of the law, to live a sinless life and perfected the law, to shed his blood for our sins, and was given on this day the name Jesus. By his name we are saved, and at his name every knee should bow. And who rose from the dead on the eighth day of his church. We glory in the most holy name of Jesus, our Lord and our God. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit.